Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. He was like, isn't parenthood great? And I almost like punched him in the face. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I'm just turning 40 and I'm like, I'm so stressed. And what should I do? Where should we go? And with Margaret Aples and Amy Wilson. The child's eating an electrical cord. Relax. Get over yourselves. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. She had gone to a manicurist who was soaking her hands in dish detergent, which, I mean, I would get your money back for that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about what we thought this would be like. This. This. motherhood thing. This. This. That we're soaking in. We're soaking in it, and I'm just, we're starting early with an oldie locks alert. Ding, ding, ding. Back in my day. That might be the earliest Old Deluxe alert ever. I'm going to see if I can beat it. What was that? Um, Calgon, take me away. What was Palmolive your Palmolive dish detergent. She Palmolive. was getting her nails. This woman was getting her nails done by a, by a manicurist named Madge. Oh, that's right. This is all coming back to me now. And she was talking about like dish soap is too rough. And she's like, not Palmolive. You're soaking in it. Right. Like she, she had gone to a manicurist who was soaking her hands in dish detergent. Which, I mean, I would get your money back for that one. Right. You're soaking in it. I remember definitely watching that and being like, I don't understand any elements of this. So I at least was young when it was on. I was like, Still why do you don't. get a manicure? Why do you? Why would you do it in dishwasher? All right, you're soaking in it. It's motherhood. What did we think it was going to be like? Yeah, what did we think it was going to be like? And then I guess I mean, like when you look back, what did you be like? Yeah, I envisioned this part pretty correctly, but I did not envision this part. My Aunt Terry, she's a fan of like, she's just kind of a salty dame, as you'll hear if you listen to the episode of the podcast that she was on. But she's always like, what did you think it was going to be like? And what is it like? With a lot of different things. But she's asked me about it, about motherhood. And my go-to answer is just very simply, I thought I was getting handed a lump of clay to sculpt. And instead, I got handed human beings. That's the most surprising thing about motherhood to me. Yeah. In the way it takes the pressure off once you have more than one, a reason to have more than one kid, if you're going to do it, is to immediately realize like, oh, it's not up to me. They come out cranky. They come out a good sleeper. They come out, right? They like liking to laugh. They come out more serious. Like they, the, your kids are born so fully who they are. I feel like it takes some of the pressure off. You have to do everything perfectly because you're shaping them. No, you're not. You're not really. There's a certain kind of slot that some kids fit into. And this is especially true at school, right? Where it's like kids who are like naturally, you know, like pleasers and have long attention spans and stuff. They tend to do really well in elementary school. Like, and that's the thing. Like, there's just slots where sometimes certain ones of your kids fit really well. And like, also, sometimes people really like quirky kids and they find like more traditional kids like, oh, oh, roll my eyes at that. Like I'm into irony. I like your quirky kid who knows every logo of every movie and where it changed going back to the 1950s. Like for some of my friends, that's like the kid that, yeah. But you just can't get external about the way your kids behave. But I, but what I couldn't have predicted is how deeply that stuff would matter to me, right? Like oh. your kids really are, like you read that on the Hallmark cards, like your heart's walking around outside your body. Like they are literally, somebody criticizes your kid, you, it's like an arrow to the chest. And, and I couldn't have predicted 
how true that would be. Not true in a like, oh, a mother loves your kid, but true in, <laughs> true in a real, I really feel this. And I got to look at how over-identified I might be sometimes kind of way. I hadn't predicted that. Well, and for me, I feel like I was a kid who was overweight, not popular. And like I spent a lot of my like middle school and high school years kind of desperate to fit in. And then in college, I kind of was like oldie locks alert. Back in my day blind melon video the bee girl and i found my fee- my feel full of bees and i was like oh my god here's all the like weird misfits and suddenly i was like popular and like the fact that i was funny was like really great to people like i found my people in college and ever since then i was like i am a person who has been cured of the disease of being really insecure And then I fell through like a rotten floorboard in my life when I had kids and I found myself being back to like overweight, unpopular girl. Like suddenly like my kids, that vulnerability, it's not that my kids are overweight or unpopular. It's that whatever that insecurity that was at my heart has really flared up. Like it's like it was in remission while I was in college and out in the world. And now it's like I'm having a flare up because my kids are out in the world and subject to that kind of judgment, which feels really familiar to me in a way that I'm very surprised by. I get it. You know? You are heard, you are seen. Thank you. Am I loved, Amy? Am I loved? You are loved. Can we move to a good one? A a good thing that I couldn't have predicted that I turned out to be true? I honestly thought, I think, before I became a mother, that anyone, like you love your babies, you love your toddlers, then they're like, you know, 10 years old and like, oh, you're driving them to soccer practice and then they go out in the world and then they have grandchildren and then the, then the good part starts over Then again. you love them again. Yeah. yeah. I, I could never have predicted that I would find like an awkward eighth grade stage, just like adorable and not just my own children, but even their peers, like watching kids grow up. The same kids that were three are now 14 and their voices have changed. And like, I, I find them adorable in ways that I never did before I was a parent myself. I feel like that's really reassuring. I feel like a lot of people, I hear a lot of people say like, oh, teenagers get a bad rap, you know, like, and my brother had kids, I'm going to say, and I think it's true, like almost 20 years before I did, even though we're only two years apart, (laughs) we were on different (laughs) ends of the age spectrum when we started. And he always says like, it only gets better. Like, and it's, it's a nice thing to hear because I feel like you get a lot of like, uh, little people, little problems, just wait. It's only worse. Like you think you're not sleeping now. Like I hear a lot of people give that feedback and I always find it really encouraging. Like not what you love about your kids. Isn't going to change. Like there's going to be difficult problems, difficult times. And like my 10 year old is already in the like firm annoyed with me eye rolling stage. And like, I do find that annoying, but I kind of always thought that I would feel like it was like this, like incredibly like deep stabbing wound. And I don't find it that way at all. I just find it like, oh, stop rolling your eyes at me, goofball. You know, I, 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 it's not like, I was like, how can this wonderful baby, I can hardly picture them rejecting me. And like the other day I dropped him off at school and he was annoyed at me because of course I dropped him off on the wrong corner because dad's out of town and he usually drops him off and dad knows the right corner and I didn't know it. So he was so mad at me and he got out of the car and he was like, I was like, I love you. And he goes, I really don't feel like saying it back. And I was like, yeah, fine. I'll see you after school. Like, (laughs) it's fine. Like, it's not like when I held that baby and I was like, someday. It's like, oh, it's just like dealing with a regular human who's sometimes annoying. It's it's not some fall off a cliff. And when you're a parent, like, I don't really feel like saying it back. Like, even that's adorable, right? You're like, yes, it's so cute. That is so my kid saying that, right? And then you love them for that. I think I pictured it as like summer and winter, you know, like, oh, now the sun shines on me with this adorable baby. And then we're going to be in this like desolate wasteland. But it's, it's kind of hilarious that my kid's like, I really don't feel like saying it today. And I'm like, you're right, homie, go go to school. Goodbye. It's like, I love that too. With the things that teenagers are interested in talking about, you know, aren't always the things that, that we're interested in talking about, like the NBA draft say, but, but when it's your kid, like my, my high schooler, last night wanted to do a really deep dive in who had made his ultimate Frisbee team at school. Like he wanted to, he sat down next to me at the table and he wanted to take me through the roster, like in great detail. Like this kid's a sophomore. 
I know I've told you about him. His throws are on par with the, like like deep dive into who made the ultimate Frisbee team. And he was so lit up about it that just to sort of like be in the presence of that and see like you've made this kid that you could not have predicted would be really into ultimate Frisbee. I, that was not a, a path that I had ever considered. And it's like the thing that lights him up. And just to see your kid lit up about something, anything, and wanting to share that with you is such a great moment that you're happy to talk about that or the NBA. That's drive. hilarious. Because if you told me that story, like in any other context, I'd be like, that sounds like torture. Right. That sounds like hell. But when it's, but it's your kid, when it's your kid, I think, and they're finally like, can I please sit down with you and share something that's very important to me? And it's like something you don't know anything about, but just to see their excitement about it, it never goes away, even when they're taller than you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it's like, one of the things we talk about a lot is like, you have to lay the groundwork. Like if you're talking about like how to get kids to talk to you, how to make them safe on their devices, how to make them good eaters, like you have to lay a lot of bricks along the road. Like you don't one day be like, now it's time to start talking about this issue. Like it's all building blocks, but there's also building blocks of like cuteness, you know, like there's building blocks of like, I like listening to you prattle on about dinosaurs. And now I like listening to you prattle on about ultimate Frisbee. Right. It's it, kind of fun. It doesn't go away. So that's that's the good thing about teenagers. I like that. I feel like that's a good takeaway. All right. So we are going to have a fun guest on today. Amy, tell us about her. Today, our guest is Betsy Stover, who's the co-host of the hilarious podcast, Why Mommy Drinks. We'll be back right after this. And she's going to tell us what she thought motherhood would be like and what it really is like right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. You guys, I am so excited to be talking to Betsy Stover. Betsy is the co-host of the hilarious podcast, Why Mommy Drinks, which I bet a lot of you listen to already. She's an actress. She's a comedian. She's a mother of three. She does it all. First of all, tell us uh, how, how many kids you have and how old. So I have three kids. They're all boys, eight years old, six years old, and three. Eight, six, and three. And you like to say that you live in the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, I live in the Thunderdome. I live in the middle of the the Super Collider. That's, that's what it feels like. I live in the Super Collider. Yeah. And so we met like in 2007, I think it was, maybe 2008. 
Yeah. So I was at the UCB theater and they were like, we're looking for someone. Someone came to us named Amy Wilson. She's looking for someone to do this show and take it on tour. And it's all about her life and and having kids and getting pregnant and stuff. So I auditioned for it and I did the show. uh, And I, that's how I met you. So this is a show called Mother Load. And you can probably still find some clips. I'm definitely going to dig up an archival photo of a production photo of Betsy in Motherload. I just want to say I will pay extra for a, a YouTube clip, a video clip. Oh, yeah. I think I, there's got to be a like coming to a town near you. There, this stuff exists. I feel like we could probably crowdsource a fundraiser for that. So this show, it ran in New York and I did it for a couple of months. And then we got the chance to take it out on tour. I did the show in New York while I was pregnant with my youngest, who's now 11. And when it came time to do the tour in 2008, she was, you know, a baby. And and the tour started to get bigger and more cities came on, which was very exciting. However, I had like a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a baby. So we got this idea that we were going to bring in somebody who would learn like an 80-minute solo show and then do, you know, much of the tour. So you're basically, Betsy, you're Amy's All About Eve. You're like, yes. did you ever think about pushing her down the <laughs> stairs and taking over the all the glory of motherhood for yourself? Mm-hmm. Paint us the picture, Betsy. You're how old when you get this job? I must have been in my 20s, late 20s. So going on tour, I think it was a really interesting learning experience, not just doing the show and sort of feeling the feelings that was required in order to play that character, which is a weird thing to say because it was Amy, the character of you. But it, also we would do these like Q&A sessions after the shows and we would hear from the moms and they would, you know, talk about how they felt about the show and how it resonated with them. And that was a very interesting learning experience. It was very meaningful to them, I think, to see their experience reflected back and to have someone stand on stage and tell them, like, it's okay to not be perfect and it's okay to have a messy home. And I think they really needed to hear it. I think it was kind of cathartic for them. And so it was really fun and interesting for me as someone who didn't have kids to see that. And I think I it helped me form my own parenting mantra much later which is, eh, it'll probably be fine. That's why you can't do a podcast with Margaret because both of you guys would be like, eh, no, no problem. Betsy and I would be like, what? The child's eating an electrical cord? Relax, get over yourselves. Uh, that would be our whole podcast. On the oh my gosh. Episode. Right, right. It would be very short. So our topic today that we're like digging in on is what we thought it would be like. And so I want to get in a little bit to like, Betsy, for you. Like, so you do this show with Amy where you're portraying Amy, you're portraying a young mom with three little kids. And, you know, you have a lot of takeaways from that. So, I mean, most people don't have that experience. So, as a single or, you know, a, a non childbearing person at the time, you, you had some weird educational experience in this. Yeah. And then, you actually gave birth to three small humans. And you still did it. Right. You still went forward with it. (laughs) I have an aunt who's like my kind of guru, and she's always asking the question, like, what surprised you most about being a parent? And for me, and I said this before, it's like, what surprised me most is that I honestly thought I was getting like handed lumps of clay to mold in my own image. And like I, instead I got like three humans that I barely have any control of. Yeah, that you try to bend to your will and you just kind of can't. <laughs> it's just so mind altering to me. Do you have like, what was your like overall impression of like, what was this going to be like? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, the things that were shocking to me about becoming a parent were sort of the, there's a strange, like, kind of loss of self. That to me was very strange. That I thought I was a sculpture, and then my own sculpture kind of was chiseled away or like melted away a bit. And then I've had to spend a lot of time and effort kind of remolding myself. So that was very surprising and shocking. I feel like that is so interesting. I've told people that like sculpture metaphor a million times and I've never heard anybody say that. And it's like the scales are falling from my eyes. Like you're the sculpture. Yeah. And And your kids are just banging against you and forming a new possibly horrible thing. But you're the sculpture. Like you're the cha- you're the person changing. Yeah, 
And that's the other thing that was so strange too, is you have a sense of what, who you are, but then, yeah, I feel like parenthood, it brings out all these strange parts of you that you didn't know it, it existed. Like my husband and I, we always thought we were really chill and like not that uptight, but like parenthood has taught us like, no, we are really intense people who yell. Apparently we have no idea. <laughs> That's a good one. I I couldn't have predicted that about myself either. <laughs> right? Oh man, who knew? I yell all the time. <sighs> Actually, the mother load started, the show started with me or Betsy, right? Alone on stage, just trying to get the kids ready, you know, ready for bed, like the last half hour from the like the I don't know where Blinky is. We're not gonna look for Blinky, like it's too late for Blinky. Like just just losing your stuff. And and my director, who was not a not a mom was sort of like I don't I don't know like I feel like this is like too much out of the gate I don't want you to be unsympathetic you know it just is kind of weird that you're even though the kids aren't on stage with you it seems kind of weird that you're just like starting by yelling at them and I was like I I think it's gonna work you know <laughs> I think that the mothers in my audience will know what, what this is and they won't be afraid of it and you know and I was right you were totally right and that is such a like overall mom takeaway. I just was like posting on the Facebook page. My husband's out of town and I have a huge aversion to like garbage and dishes. Those are, I'll do everything else in the house, but I don't, I don't like garbage and dishes. And so when my husband's away, like the garbage doesn't go out. So this morning I was just posting a funny picture on Facebook. Cause I was like, my husband's been away for two days and this is our sink. And then I looked at the picture and I was like, Wait, I think this is actually too disgusting to put on Facebook. Like someone might call Child Protective Services. And the second I put it up, people were like, oh, my sink looks 10 times worse than that. Like everything you think, like, no, this is a little too much, momming. Someone else is doing it too. Yeah. I mean, I do the same every now and then. I'll, I'll, if my house is like looking horrible, I'll take a picture and I'll post it on my mom's group or post it in the Facebook group for my podcast. And yeah, I feel like people are like, oh, thank God. Yeah, this looks like my house. Don't worry about it. Right. It's hard though. It's hard seeing all those pictures on Pinterest and stuff and you're just like, "Oh no, I'm a, I'm the only garbage person out there." <laughs> <laughs> I think we maybe another, I mean, we're just basically merchandising here, but another t-shirt idea is you're not the only garbage person. <laughs> I want to hear Betsy, I want to hear about parenting all boys, right? Pretty close in age. I think that's a you get a special star for that. I'm curious how that has been exactly what you could have predicted it would be and how it's how it might be different. It's mostly for me just about the like energy. There's just a lot of like constant energy flailing, people bumping into things, people making things fall on the floor. Like I'll never have a rug. It's funny though, because I, I actually did always want all boys. That's what I wanted and that's what I got. But yeah, it's not like, it's not the cuddly, <laughs> soft, like listening to what I say ever that I thought might, <laughs> that motherhood might look like. <laughs> it's not that, not the listening to what you say ever. When you were, yeah, so when you were imagining these all boys, you were imagining them listening to you. That was the, that was the where you fell down? Yeah, I guess I just, or, yeah. <sighs> it just didn't work out that way. I just mean like when I, when I see my friends who have girls or I go, yeah, I go to someone's house where they have girls, like they'll tell their girl kid to like, oh, you know, sit down and, and eat with this spoon. And like they will. It's so shocking. It's shocking. They'll have like a table, like a low table with pictures in frames and none of them are broken. Like I can't have these things. And I will say like, I mean, we say all the time, like gender stuff, you can't bank on gender. There's a lot of variation and none of this stuff is, you know, there's a lot of gender cliches and stuff, but I really do. I remember going to the beach with a friend of mine when I had my two little boys and he had one girl and his daughter sat and poured sand from one cup to another for three hours. Oh, and I just wow. chased my kids around trying to stop them from like running into the ocean or into traffic for three hours. And at the end of the day, he was like, isn't parenthood great? And I almost like punched him in the face. I was like, parenthood. We have, we're basically, I'm raising like two wild animals and you're raising like a house plant. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, 
going back to what you were saying about gender, like on my podcast, my co-host, Amanda Allen, she has an oldest son. I think he's like seven and he's like very quiet and introspective and he listens. He's very smart. He's just like a very good boy. And then she has two five-year-old twins and they're girls and they are animals. And <laughs> Hellcats? Right. How did that happen? They are hellcats. Like they'll go to the bathroom on the carpet. They'll climb the walls. She'll find them eating garbage. Like they're just insane. Way to buck the stereotypes, ladies. I salute you. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely feel that sometimes when I, um, like we have a guest on our show and we all share a story of a time that our kids broke us. And so she, Amanda and I will share these like horrifying stories, kind of like what I just told you of you know eating garbage and going to the bathroom on the floor. Um, but if we have someone who has like one little girl, their story, <laughs> I mean, their story will be like this one time I made my daughter cry because I got a little loud and I felt <laughs> bad. We're like, oh boy. It's like once she looked at me slightly askance. <laughs> That's how my, and my daughter is like, my kids are very like gender stereotypical, but I will say one thing that like I find surprising is I always kind of, I, I didn't find out what I was having. So my, my third, I was pretty sure I was just sure. I just felt like I was going to have a boy. And so I was like, I'm going to be that like mom of three boys person. And I was surprised by how much like I have found the like naughty chaos of my boys genuinely fun and entertaining. Oh, yeah. Like I was kind of if I was saying like what I pictured, it would be kind of like, oh, that seems annoying, like a bunch of like rabid animals running around the house. But I find it fantastic. That's been surprising. That was one of my things that I thought that I, I, I couldn't have predicted that I would enjoy yeah, that I wouldn't enjoy the chaos and energy, not all the time, but sometimes, right? When you stop trying to fight it and allow yourself to be carried with it, it you know, it's pretty fun and funny. Yeah, I call it capitulating to the chaos. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we call our kids uh, team chaos. Are they in it together? They're working They're working as a group to undermine authority? Oh, hell no, because it's chaos. Oh, right. <laughs> Three groups, <right? laughs> That would involve organization, strategic planning. No, team chaos. <laughs> it's like a bunch of laser beams and like trying to put them in a shoebox. <laughs> yeah. It's like cooperative play, like cooperative chaos doesn't happen until much later in the developmental field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm here on the older kids' side to tell you guys that like the chaos, it, it all settles down and it get and those laser beams get focused on like mom's forehead. I'm now into the like Everything I say is the stupidest thing that any person could ever have said. I just get that, like, put your shoes on. What you know? Why do I have to put my shoes on? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it it, it gets it's focused. Mine are ten, eight, and six. And what I notice is like the laser beams are starting. They're starting to realize the power of like two laser beams versus one other kid. And it doesn't, they, 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 they do at different times, but like they've started to learn to like team up against one other. But I can see Amy that like coming for me none too far in the future is the three of them realizing their power if they all turn towards me. Right. Right. They're like the ultimate like art of war thing, which is like warring factions. And then the factions realize if they get together, they could dominate the other factions. And then eventually they're like, wait, let's all get together and overthrow the Supreme Leader. That's what's coming for me next. That quote about like the enemy of my friend is also my enemy. Like there's yeah, some, the there's enemy some... of my enemy is my friend. Yes. Yeah. That's what they're learning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They've got a common enemy. That's me and dad. Oh, this is horrifying. Amy, my eight-year-old is already starting to show signs of what you just described, and I'm so scared of what is to come. Oh, God. Yeah, it's it's hard. I don't really have advice on it besides some, sometimes I'll just be like, you're making me feel really bad about myself. Like, just pick one thing at some point today. There's going to be one thing I say that you're going to say, okay, or oh, sure, I can do that, or huh, that's true. Like, just pick one. They don't. Amy, they're doing what Betsy taught us. They're chipping away at your they're sculpture. Chip My sculpture yeah. is pretty skinny. It's very <laughs> it's very attenuated at this point. Yeah, it's, it's happening much later in the motherhood process than I anticipated, <laughs> but okay. Betsy, we love you. Tell us about your podcast and, and you and where we can find all the stuff that you do. 
Well, uh, I do a show at UCB Theater here in Los Angeles. It's called Teacher's Lounge, where we uh, we improvise with uh, other teachers, and it's super fun. And then I also am, I do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. And I think if you like your show, you will like our show. If you love, you'll love, for sure. Exactly. We all share a story of a time our kids drove us to drink, literally or figuratively, and uh, and it's super fun. We have a guest, and it's super fun. And then I'm also going to be on a show called American Princess that comes out June 2nd on Lifetime. It's all about like a renaissance fair and all of the people in it. And who are you? I'm one of the ladies-in-waiting to the queen, and everyone in the Renaissance Festival hates me. But it's a great cast. Uh, Rory O'Malley from uh, Hamilton is in it. He's a delight. Uh, and um, Jenji Cohan is uh, one of the producers. She did Orange is the New Black and Glow. Yeah, and Jamie Dembo created it. I don't know if you I love her. I think you must know. Yeah, yeah. I know her. So yeah, I think it's going to be really a funny show, and I'm excited. That's great, Betsy. Yeah. Get back to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Back to the Thunderdome. Your time out of the Thunderdome has ended. Return to Thunderdome. Back to the Thunderdome. Thank you for naming my autobiography. (laughs) Yes, Return to Thunderdome. I love it. We do need another hero. Uh, Betsy, it was so great talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Let's boil this down, shall we? We all had a lot of expectations about what this motherhood gig would be like, and they weren't all that accurate. What we thought this would be like. I will marry someone who is my true partner in all things, and we will never keep anything from each other. What this is really like. Honey, did you feed the kids chocolate cupcakes for dinner when I was out last night? They were not supposed to tell you that. What we thought this would be like. I will let my children learn at their own pace what this is really like. Oh my God, we've been working on this math fact log for an hour. Seven times nine is 63. What we thought this would be like. My children will only watch educational programming. What this is really like. You know, when you think about it, SpongeBob actually is educational. I mean, he teaches conflict resolution, how to run a small business. Oh, you know what? Whatever. Turn on another episode so mommy can finish making dinner. 
what we thought this would be like. I will feed my child a wide and varied diet featuring all the colors of the rainbow. What this is really like. Listen, at least the pizza is from a different place than last night. What we thought this would be like. I will cherish every moment, understanding that the days may be long, but the years are short. What this is really like. There will be several days where I seriously consider leaving my kids in a basket on the lawn holding a sign that reads, Free Children. Poor Betsy in the Thunderdome. (laughs) Best wishes, Betsy. Best wishes to her. And yeah, I mean, I think we all have the same, a lot of the same thematic differences in what we thought this was going to be like. One thing that I'm going to say that we have not touched on yet is that I feel like I, I've said before, I wasn't a person who was like, I can't wait to have kids. Like I was never that person who was like, I picture my kids. I always sort of was like, it could go either way for me. I might just stay single. Wow. Really? That's interesting. I didn't know that about you. I was not like a crazy mommed out person at all. And in fact, there was a part of me that was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be good at this. I don't know. Like, I also was 36. I made my own living. I was living in Hollywood. I was pretty independent. Like, I kind of definitely wanted to have a partner. And then I was like, kids, eh, I could go either way. I was never that into the concept. And along with that, I was always kind of paranoid about the amount of work that was involved with kids. And I had a supreme amount of paranoia about like, having a kid who struggled in any way. Like, it seemed to me like, I know, I'm not sure I can handle kids, but I know I can't handle anything difficult that happens with kids. And I don't have any kids who have gigantic, you know, headliner struggles as many people do, but I have been surprised that dealing with struggles with my kids has been much less scary than I anticipated. Mm. Yeah. Everybody's got them. First of all, I was super paranoid about it. I was like, I was like, if I'm going to have kids, like, I'm not even sure about wanting kids in the beginning, but if I'm going to have them, they better be like the world's easiest, most simple, like nothing ever goes wrong with them kids. And that was crazy. Right. And not the case. And and here we are. Right. That's, that's a good one. I find that like an interesting takeaway, like, oh, wherever you go, there you are. And like, whatever kid you get, there you are. And like, that works too. What did you not expect about having those problems that you'd be capable of handling them? Yeah, that I'd be capable of handling them. That like basically like if I'm a person who's not sure I even want kids, I definitely can't deal with any problems that come along with kids. I would have like I can't get a hard kid. And none of my kids are particularly hard, but some of my kids have harder issues than the sort of generic baseline norm. And I find them not scary and not hard in a way that I am thrilled to find is true. You know, there are no easy kids, right? I mean, there are easier kids, I suppose, but there are no easy kids, so. Yeah, but there are definitely kids who are harder than others and kids who have issues that make it harder than others, whether those things be. And guys, just to like take down the fourth wall for a second, I don't get really specific about my kids and what's going on with them day to day because this is a podcast where like I talk about my views and I don't really want to leave a lingering record of like, anything that might be going on with my kids. Cause I don't think that's fair to them. So like I'm speaking in basic generalities, but some kids have struggles and it's a little harder for them than other kids. And so that's what I'm trying to deal with. Does that make sense, Amy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't know before I became as old as I am with kids, as old as I have, that I would still feel like young. I, I thought that once you became a mom of two teenagers, like get out the bathing suits with the skirts, like no problem. Game over. Old lady, <laughs> hang out on the front porch. Like, like it's over. Like you try to go to the beach in the bikini and they're like, ma'am, we have to stop you there. Yeah. You have two teenagers and I don't think you got the memo, but it's over. I thought that I would feel like an old lady. And so I wouldn't feel bad about being perceived as an old lady or feel bad in the ways that I didn't still look 25 or didn't still, you know, was not perceived by the world in the same way. And that's not true. I still feel like I just got out of college and I, and, and every time I engage with the fact that I have two teenagers, I can't believe that I have two teenagers. And that's like still true every day for me in a way that I could not have predicted. Well, my dad just turned, um, 80 something, but on his 80th birthday, we gathered around and he 
I like basically gave a toast and he's like, I'll tell you what, you never do feel 80. <laughs> and like, you never do feel 40 something with two teenagers right. either. Like you never do feel, we have discussed this under the headline, oops, I'm old, <laughs> which is something that I think you, like, this is the one thing that I think like when people are like, if you could go back and tell your 20 year old self something, what would it be? And it's always this thing, which is like, oops, I'm old. Like I, I had kids when I was 37. I was still like wearing a bikini, like getting looks at the club. Like, I, I mean, I was a young person and I was like old to be a young person. And then I had kids and 10 years later, I am none of those things. Like I am crepey skin older person <laughs> who does not like have three men leap up to help me with my suitcase as I try to get it in the overhead bin. Like people like just avert their eyes and they're like, you're a problem old lady. But that to me is the most shocking thing. Like how you age when you're not looking. Like I sing that beautiful boy song to my kids all the time. And it's the great line, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. And like you look up one day and 10 years has gone by like that. And you want to go and shake young people. And like, you can't, you're cause it's Cassandra. Like guys, it's coming. You're going to be old too. And like young people are just like, ha ha oldie, never me. Or even worse. Like I was at the gym and there was a trainer stretching a woman of a certain age, you know, stretching her out after their workout together. And the trainer was, you know, just one of these people who keeps up a good stream of chatter clearly, you know, all the time. And she's like, oh, I'm just turning 40. And I'm like, I'm so stressed. And what should I do? And where should we go? And, and this woman was like, stop, stop, stop. She's like, I'm 63, you're 39. And I'm hearing you talk about how you're about to turn 40 and you're so old. And I am here to tell you, like, do not waste your 40th year feeling old. You're not old. Like, I, if I could go back and spend my 40s and 50s not feeling bad about myself, I, I would do that. Like, stop feeling that you're like, I'm old. And of course, she was feeling bad about being 63, right? She's like, I'm old. You're not old. But I was stretching next to them by myself, like, you're right, I'm going to try to take this in. Like, stop talking about how old you are. You've got a lot of runway. Well, it's really true. And like, that's right. Like, I'm 47 and people in their 60s, don't want to hear me complain about being old. But like, I, I still think of myself as 20. So I feel so old. Like, it's just, that's a funny dynamic, but it's probably good to just be like, I am like healthy and getting by. And like, whether my skin looks weird at my neck is not something I should probably spend a ton of my time thinking about. But also, like, you are, I just was talking to a friend of mine and I was reading, um, this book, Circe, which is like the big book everyone's reading right now. It's a retelling of the Greek myth and stuff. And I was just laughing to myself because I was reading it. It's like the old crones and like the young nymphs and like the young nymphs are like playing in the sun. And I was like, I am so hashtag team crone. Like I have crossed to the other side. I'm just like, don't be ridiculous. Settle in and go to bed early. Like I'm, it's not just old in body. It's like I, I've become an older person. You do the, like you do like the FaceTime thing where like you switch FaceTime by accident. And I look like Ursula from the Little Mermaid, right? Like I'm like, like who, who is this person? And it's a waste of time, but you do it anyway. But even in attitude, I'm just like, get off my lawn. Like it's happened. It's like the the face stuff. You're like, eh, whatever. Like this is what I look like. Sorry, guys. But it's just funny to me how much I've become like an old lady in terms of like, that is not prudent. Like, I don't know. I've just, I was kind of like a rebellious, like kooky 20 something. And it, it, it's happened now. I'm like, get off my lawn and I shake my broom. Let's go to a good one. Let's switch to a positive one. Yes. All right. I thought that I would hate breastfeeding. I Like, not for me, kind of weird, not going to do it. And then the sort of bargain I made with myself is like, I will do it up until the first obstacle. Like, I should have mastitis by about 36 hours in, and then I'm going to be like, the th I'm going to take the first exit I hit. Loved it. I'm glad you can say that because I hated breastfeeding. I Hated everything about it. Loved it. And I was so uh, I was so afraid of it and so sure it wasn't going to work and so sure that I would be like, Ugh. and I nursed all three of my kids for a year. And and I know I know that I'm lucky to say this. This this is not a everybody must breastfeed speech. I was so ready for there to be problems and I didn't have problems. And it was like 
lovely and easy. And it was like in some ways the best time of parenting for me because I could solve pretty much any problem my kid was having at any time. And it was so much easier. This is like in the category of something that didn't surprise me. I think one of the, my aversions to motherhood is like, I wasn't really a uh, newborn person and I didn't become a newborn person. I don't, I don't like lack of sleep. I don't like the con constant, like I'm a very, like, <laughs> I like interacting. I don't like the, like everything goes in one direction, me like pouring into the baby. And I always say like, if someone would hand me a four-year-old, I would have 10 more kids, but I could never have another baby. And yet you had the three of them so close together. Did you just know you wanted three? No, I was 37 and I was like, oh. I guess I want a couple. Okay. Let's see how many we can have. And then four years later when I had three, I was like, holy cow, this plan is going too well. We need to put right, the brakes right, on. Right. We need to not have any more. <laughs> and so I just, I had mine close together because I started so late, but I would have loved to have four kids. Like I, I'm from a big family. And I was like, if I'm going to have a family, I want to have a couple. I would like to have four, but I started too late. But I mean, I could have had 10. Like I like the chaos of it, but I never, I'm just not a newborn person. Give me like a four-year-old who I can like wrestle and play with and make jokes with and I'm happy. But I don't even like, I'm not like. So you envisioned yourself, like, I'm not going to love the newborn stage. And then you were right. You didn't like the newborn stage. I was, I was right. I hated breastfeeding. I hated the wake-ups. Like, I mean, I see a baby and I'm like, cute, but I, <laughs> we were just with my sister-in-law and I did, I said it out loud before I like even had, was able to stop myself but she has like a three-year-old and he was just like running around and crazy. And I was like, oh, thank God I don't have a three-year-old anymore. Like I like a, I like a logical little being. Like I'll take a five-year-old. This keeps going up. So you're so <laughs> like, so yeah. not three. I want not a 25-year-old, really I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think maybe I just don't you like children. Them no, I mean. When they start going to school all day, sounds like. Like full day kindergarten is when they can show up. Yeah, that maybe that's it. Like a five-year-old, you're potty trained, you're going to school most of the day and I can reason with you. That's where I, that's, that's my golden spot. You're a little like WC Fields about this, but I, I get it. And actual parenthood did not change that about you. No. And I mean, it's funny. And I, I think, I mean, it's like, I didn't, as my grandmother Conroy would say, I didn't lick it off the sticks and stones. My mom was kind of like that too. She was like, I'm going to have four kids, but she was never like, oh, give me that baby. She was like, I like a kid I can chat with. <laughs> I predicted exactly correctly how much I would love Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny being being part of my life. I have really enjoyed having all of those things in my life so much. I thought they'd be awesome, and they are awesome. And it, it's kind of disappointing when it's just all grownups and you don't have those special people in your life, and it has been really fun to have them back. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have that with like – I, one of the things I was looking for in a spouse and my, my husband is like a home run on this. It's like, I, I like a fun plan. And so I, I tend to be the friend of my friend group. Who's like, let's go to the mystery room. Like, let's rent a sailboat and figure out if we can use it. Like, let's, I don't know, like get in the car at midnight and drive to another state. That's amazing. Well, yeah. Like I like to be like, Hey, I've got a crazy scheme and let's try it. And that when you're, when you get older and your friends are like married and stuff, like I was kind of getting on my own Island of like, I've got a crazy scheme and having kids has like reawakened my, the awesomeness of like my, let's, I have a crazy scheme. Like I'm constantly coming up with crazy schemes and just dragging the kids along to it. And it's fun. Like I have a little pack of people to do my crazy schemes with, which I enjoy a lot, which is like now like yeah, now it's like, let's rent an RV and drive around the state. Like, crazy scheme. But, like, there's no crazy scheme that you your kids aren't up for. I mean, that's what's great about having kids. And did you look forward to that before you became a parent, the idea that you were going to do these fun, crazy things with them? It just, it's been a kind of a nice surprise. Like, I didn't even understand that until I had kids. Like, I remember being like, man, I don't have anyone to do fun stuff with in my 30s because, like, my married friends you know, I was like getting to be the last unmarried person. And I just didn't have a deep bench of people who I could be like, Hey, I just read about this weird pear farm in, you know, Costco, Moscow or whatever crazy town outside of LA. Like, let's go there on Saturday. Like 
And so, but now with kids, like if I'm like, oh my God, there's a haunted train that runs at midnight in Vermont. I'm like, we're going to that. Like I've got my, I've got my group. Is being a mom more fun than you thought it would be or about the same? More fun. Me too. I mean, I want, I wanted to do it. I mean, it was a, it was the one non-negotiable, you know, thing about my future that I was going to be a, a mom and have a couple of kids. I mean, it, that just was like, it was going to happen, but I don't remember th- deciding ahead of time. I knew that I would love it because I would love the kids. I don't think I really thought too much about how much I would like, how, how fun it would be. And it is. It's pretty great. Good job. It's pretty great. Good job, Amy. Well, I'm sure our listeners have many things they were surprised about. Yeah. Right, guys? About becoming a parent. And we want to hear about them on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And also, please join our Facebook group. Just search for groups on Facebook, What Fresh Hell podcast. And there are so many fun discussions going on. And what I love is like the moms are there to like lift each other up and help each other out, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast and on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And Betsy Stover is hilarious. If you guys don't already listen to Why Mommy Drinks, definitely check them out wherever you get your podcasts because she and Amanda Allen are very funny. And with that, guys, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.